Hello, everyone. You are listening to the Define University podcast, a space designed for educators to ignite your passion, transform your mindset, and learn to love who you are in the process. My name is Lindsay Titus, and I am here to share simple yet strategic steps each week with you to build your momentum into creating a life full of purpose and passion. The time is now. Let's dive on in to today's episode. Welcome back, everyone, to another new episode of the Define University podcast. I am a uh, not going to lie, I was going to say I'm excited to record this, and I absolutely am, but I'm a little nervous too. Uh, we're going to get a little personal, and I think that's okay. I think that is the, that's the whole point of this podcast is that you know I show up uh, authentically every single week and share what's on my heart. And something that has been on my heart over the last few weeks is this topic specifically, which I've called breaking down your behavior bias. And with all that is going on in the world right now with social uh, justice, injustice, race, ethnicity, all of that, I the thing that kept coming to my mind is how directly this relates to behavior and how the bias we hold, the beliefs that we hold for behavior and what behavior is acceptable and what behavior is not and what behavior is okay in school and what behavior is not and understanding that this bias, these beliefs are, are so much greater than I think we give we give emphasis to, and, and it was this, this constant thought that, that led me to present actually what I am speaking with you today. I presented in two separate webinars, uh, to educators. And I, you know, as soon as I finished the thought that came to my head was this can't stop here. This, this cannot be. And I actually say it about five times through the whole presentation is it cannot stop today. It cannot stop with just consuming this information, starting that reflection. What has to happen is this has to be an ongoing practice because if we as educators don't know why we react or respond to certain behaviors, if I don't know why I do that, then I have less, I have less of a chance to change the way that I respond or react because I'm not actually aware of it. And that's what we're going to dive into is how do I understand, how do I make this connection between truly the mindset I have, these beliefs and thoughts I have about what behavior is and what it should look like, and how instead do I rewrite those so I have a greater understanding, a more expansive understanding of what behavior is so that I personally can change my own behavior and therefore impact behavior change in other people. So I think what often happens is we as educators believe it is my responsibility, it is my job to change someone else's behavior. And that is just not true. It is my responsibility to change my own behavior so that I can show up as my authentic self and I can remain open to the possibilities that are in front of me, which means connecting with all students. Yes, the most difficult students, we can, I promise you that you can connect with them, but it's nothing that they are going to do that is going to increase your ability to connect with them. It is absolutely 100% what you are willing to do as the educator to truly connect with all students in your class or all students in your school, in your district, in your community, wherever you are, at whatever, whatever lens you are looking through, it is possible. I believe it's more than possible, but it starts with us. It starts within. And that is what this 
this uh, presentation I did. And ultimately this podcast episode is really, it is their starting point. This is not the final destination. This is the starting point. And, and it's, we're really going to start to talk about here today, how you can break down your own personal behavior bias. So I said, we're going to get a little personal. So I am going to start. So in, in true, I guess, transparency, when I presented this information that I'm going to share with you now, I didn't tell people that this was my story. And the reason for that is for impact. Um, I'm sharing this with you because I kind of already did that spoiler alert in telling you we're getting personal. So what I what I did is I shared two different people and, and different here is in air quotes. And, you know, so person one is um, I described as an A student, 90 percent in all classes, uh, rarely late or absent from school. This person was the secretary of student council senior year. This person was also a year-round athlete. Uh, this person attended state championships as a top-ranked athlete. This person had early acceptance into the college of their choice. So then I compared that to person two, and I said, you know, person two was someone that started taking antidepressants at 14 years old, that started cutting her arms and legs at 16 years old that this is somebody who had at least one panic attack per day, um, where, you know, swelling, swearing and yelling were, were occurrences that, that were heard um, quite often. And, and I, asked, I asked the participants, and I'm gonna ask you now, what visions come to mind when you hear, or, or what they did is they read these bullet points. Do specific people come into mind? Do gender come into mind? Does race come into your mind? Does the location come into your mind? Do you see two different homes? Do you see two different people? Because in all honesty, this is one person. I told you that. This is me. And so it, it rains down on what you see is never the whole story. And what we choose to see often blinds us from seeing what else is there. See, I think so often when it comes to behavior, we forget that behavior is a solution to a problem. It is not the problem in and of itself. It is a way the person is solving the problem in the way that they know how that works best for them in that moment. And so for me, I could hide a lot of things growing up and I got really good at it. I've mentioned before, I was really good at staying quiet. I loved being quiet because that meant people didn't ask questions. That meant I didn't have to share things. And I got to hide because when I hid, I felt safe. But I was also a really great student. In, in, again, in air quotes, I was great by the standard definition of I got good grades. But did that make me a great student? I, I, I'm not convinced of that because, yes, I had the grades and, yes, I got into college. But you know what? I couldn't make a decision to save my life. I was the student in class that when the teacher said, go ahead and write down your ideas, I pretended, I literally would pretend to write on my paper and I waited. I waited until they put an example up on the board. I waited until they gave more clarification because for me, if I didn't know how to do all of it, I wasn't going to do any of it. And I see that today in so many of our students, but we miss it because the behaviors they display are what we would deem expected behaviors for school. They are what we would deem to be ready to learn behaviors. And I and I'm here to let's let's get rid of those. Let's break down this status quo of looking like you are ready to learn is enough because it absolutely is not. And it's just as much on the other side of the equation that the student that quote unquote doesn't look ready to learn 
because they're questioning, because their head is down, because they aren't interested in the lesson of the day. I want you to dig deeper. We have to dig deeper and we have to understand why do certain behaviors trigger us, bug us as the educators more than others. That is what we are talking about here today. Why is it that when a student puts their head down, that bothers me a whole lot more than if a student swears in class? Why is it that I am triggered so much more when a student hits another student versus when the student hits me? Why am I triggered when the student rips up the, my bulletin board that I spent hours making that, but doesn't hand an assignment? Why do some things trigger me more than others? And notice I'm not saying anything is right or wrong because anything can trigger us at any point in time. But the question to ask yourself is why? Because until I know why I'm triggered by certain things, I cannot take action to change them. See, triggers never go away. I might recognize them quicker. I might learn to, to respond to them in a different way. But the trigger, something in my environment, that doesn't go away. Unless I'm ready to live in a, in a cell, in a, in a room that has no distraction, has nothing. But even that, even in saying that right now, there's one thing I can't get away from. And that is my mind. And our minds trigger us so often. So I, that's not even a true statement either. Even if we're by ourselves, we can still be triggered. We can be triggered by the thoughts in our minds. And so... I'm going on my soapbox here, but this is why I believe so much that when we talk about behavior change, when we talk about creating a behavior management plan, when we talk about changing other people's behaviors, it's not possible because it's not possible because I can't change anything other than myself. And the number one way, the easiest way, and, and I say easy because it is a pretty simple system, it's a simple flow, does not mean it's not hard work. But when I do that, I change my mindset, my language, and my actions, which is the 100% all that I can control. So with that, we want to make sure we understand that how we, we re react or respond to behavior involves so much more than what we see in the present moment. So when we talk about bias, when we talk about behavior, I combine those together. And I come up with a definition that to me, behavior bias is a judgment or outlook towards a specific response that an individual has in relation to a situation in their environment. Behavior bias, again, it's something we all have. And in order to change it first, we must understand it. And so that is what I am going to talk about here today is how do we understand what I believe to be true about behavior? What behaviors do I sometimes unconsciously, subconsciously define as good or bad, expected or unexpected? Because if I don't know that, I don't know where to go next. But when I do know that, when I do know those beliefs and that bias I'm holding to behavior, well, then I can change it. And when I change me, I change everything around me. So let's go. So the question I want you to ask yourself is what do you believe to be true about behavior? Do you believe that behavior is a problem? Is that something that can be right or wrong? That it's something that is, is a personal attack on you as the educator? Or do you believe that behavior is a solution? That it's communication? That it is meaningful? And this is why if, if, if you hear nothing else from today, breaking this part down is the number one, it's the most important part because when we take action, we take action on what we believe to be true. 
So if I believe that behavior is a problem, I'm going to continue acting in a way that behavior is the problem for someone else, not for me. But when I believe that it's a solution, well, then I can look at it through a lens of problem solving and through communication and finding meaning in the behavior so I can then teach a different way. And once I understand, I can then act. And I define act as A is for awareness, C is for compassion, and T is for trust. So A, I have awareness the behavior is the solution of what is going on. C, I have compassion for the student, meaning I know that this is the way they are solving their problem right now, but what they do today does not have to be what they do tomorrow. And T, I am building trust with that student so I can use that trust to increase that understanding and that connection that I have with them. Because when we trust people, we are way more likely to do things with and for them than if I don't have that trust. And so then we start to think about what behaviors trigger me? What behaviors trigger me more than, than others? And that is a personal question I would love for you to reflect on. But again, if I don't know what triggers me, I don't know then how to find the truth in those triggers. And then I don't know how to change my own behavior, my reactions and responses. When we look at behavior bias, I break it down into the five W's. We're going to talk about what does it look like? When does it appear? Where is it from? Who impacts? And why is it important? So what? What is it? There is no right answer here. What behavior bias is, is understanding that there are going to be a variety of answers. And part of the solution here lies in knowing that there's no one set answer. But here is what I do know. I do know that behavior isn't something that just the tough kids do. Behavior is something that we all do no matter what. And one of the activities I would love for you to do is I would love for you to take those triggers that you just identified. What behaviors push your personal buttons? And I want you to write them down. I want you to write down what behaviors are not a problem for you. What behaviors do not impact you as an educator? And what behaviors, and on the other side, do you find yourself reacting to every single time? What pushes your buttons no matter what? And then I want you to go to the middle area and I want you to identify what might be a problem behavior for you that someone else is doing, depending on the day. Maybe a day where you're rushing in the morning and nothing's going well and you didn't sleep well last night. What behaviors kind of impact you more that day than on a day where you got lots of sleep, you had your morning time, you had your extra cup of coffee. Depending on the day, there are variables that are going to impact us or not impact us depending on other things in our environment. And so we have to know what we believe depending on these variables in order to understand that these beliefs determine what we perceive and evaluate in the world around us. And our beliefs start with us. So we have to recognize what our beliefs are, what behaviors bother us in order to take action to do something against it. All right, when? Well, beliefs ultimately happen, they start in childhood. We, what we believe to be true about behavior today started when we were one to seven years old. Yes, they started early. And again, this is not meant to, to judge or to say that, that our parents did this wrong or that right, but this is to say this is how impactful this work is because what I believe to be true, what I believe to be true and good, again, in air quotes about behavior started from when I was a child. In this workshop, I asked the educators to think about what behaviors were deemed good or bad when you were growing up. 
Some that came up that day were coming home late, getting good grades, being, um, listening the first time, not speaking back, right? And then I asked them, do you feel the same way? Do you find yourself defining these behaviors as good or bad with, with your students or your own kids at home? And recognizing that even if, if and when we had something from childhood does not mean we can't rewrite it today. And that's the process that, that we're going to walk, walk through. But if I want to change something, I have to know what it was, which is why I believe in the power of reflection. Where does bias come from? Anywhere. It comes from our home. It comes from our towns. It comes from our classrooms. It comes from anywhere and everywhere. Who impacts us? Again, this is, this is one of those broad answers, but everyone. The media impacts us, our parents and our family, other teachers we work with, our spouse or partners, professors we had in college, and ultimately ourselves. And why is this work important? Well, I went all the way back to the example I shared at the beginning between person one and person two. Why is this important? Because in order to connect with every student, I have to recognize the own bias and beliefs I bring regarding behavior. Otherwise, I see person one that I explained, the A student, secretary, state champion, as all of those things and none of the other. But recognizing that what I see in the classroom is not the entire child until I take those actions to ask the questions, get to know the student on a level inside and outside of the classroom. We then talked about recognizing that power struggles don't happen in private, and yet that is where connection happens. So in order to connect with our students, it has to be done in a private location. Otherwise, we can very quickly get in this win it to, in it to win it mentality. And if we're in it to win it, we've already lost. So this is not about proving what is right or wrong in the classroom. This is about connecting on a level of who your students are by first connecting with who you are as an educator. And what is, we then talked about, you know, what does behavior bias look like in the classroom? And so here are some examples. It might look like that you have different reactions and responses based on your own personal beliefs, not on the context and the situation. This might look like you jumping to conclusions without having all the evidence or the facts. This might look like providing consequences based on emotions. This might look like making judgments based on hearsay or prior experiences and not what's happening in the present moment. This might look like being unwilling to see things from a different perspective, having high expectations without any sort of flexibility, how you respond to certain parents over others, the using of statements such as they should or they need to, they have to, followed by students of I shouldn't have to, I shouldn't need to, I shouldn't. This might even just look like walking into a meeting and already being on the defensive based on who's sitting at the table. See, behavior bias or our beliefs about behavior, they surface anywhere and everywhere we are because they're a part of who we are. But this doesn't mean that's anything wrong with us. We all have beliefs. But until I learned to understand my beliefs, I kept trying to find something out in my environment. I kept trying different jobs, different things, different anything I could to change who I was inside. And it wasn't until I learned how to reflect on who I am and the beliefs that I have that I was able to step into the light of who I am and own all of who I am without reservation, without hesitation. So you might be thinking, this is great, but how do I do this? What do I do about it? 
And here is the simple answer. And again, it's simple, but it doesn't mean it's gonna always, it's not gonna have some complexity to it. First, we have to acknowledge. I want you to acknowledge that you have behavior bias. It is not a bad thing. It is something we can grow and expand from. I want you to know and learn your triggers. Have ongoing reflection and watch your language. If you are saying things like, I have to or I don't have to, I need or I don't need, I should or I shouldn't, those are beliefs. Those are bias. So what do we do? We have four steps to take. We first have awareness. We have to be aware of what we know and what we don't know. We then accept it. Accept it as this is where I'm at. And it's again, it's not a bad thing or a good thing. It's what is. I want you to acknowledge. Acknowledge where you are and where you want to get to. And then we take action. See, I often see one of two things that happens with these four A words that I just provided to you. I see people jump to action without having the awareness, acceptance, and acknowledgement. And what that means, what that looks like, is the hamster wheel. It looks like you're constantly moving, but you're not going anywhere. Sometimes I will use the merry-go-round analogy. You're going, maybe you're going up and down a little bit, but you're at the end of the day, you're going in circles. It's because you don't know where you are and you don't know where you're going. I also see that on the opposite, I people not take action and get so stuck in the awareness, acceptance, and acknowledgement phase that they forget to then take action. See, if we stay in our heads, we're only ever in our heads. So now we're going to combine these four and we're going to become aware. We're going to accept who we are. We're going to acknowledge where we're at and where we want to go. And then we're going to take action. And one action step that I do is through the lens of reflection. Because again, this isn't work that you can necessarily read about in a book. You can but you're not going to find a book about you because there's no playbook for your life. You create your manual. You create your playbook every single day through the reflections that we use. That's why I believe there's not a quote unquote best resource for you other than the power of reflection, which is why at Define University, we're not about selling products or, or things, but instead we're coaching transformations. That's what it's about. You are transforming your life by the mindset you work on, the language you use, and the actions that you take. And so some actions you can take are reflection questions by thinking about what do you believe to be true about behavior? Do you believe behavior to be good, bad, right, or wrong? Do you defend behavior? And what situations lead you to defend behavior? Do you defend behavior for specific people or specific behaviors? Are there certain behaviors you immediately react to? Are there certain behaviors you respond to, meaning you think through it first? There's also some other things to consider here. Do you see parents or students as just parents or students? And I, and I don't use that word just lately, but here's the thing. We often forget that parents and students that we work with every day have their own set of biased beliefs and experiences. So if I only see the world through my lens, I easily forget that some of the parents I work with can't read or write, that some are working three jobs just to stay afloat, that some might not speak English as their native language, that some might be and have or might have a medical condition. Some might dislike school because of their own experiences. And if I take that into account, then I also may not consider that there then are children that are watching their siblings all night, that don't know where their next meal is coming from, that they don't know if they're gonna see their parent again. And they might not know how to ask for help because asking for help in their home is a sign of weakness. 
See, the answers to all these questions impact our relationships with our students every day. And while I can't control what is happening out there, I can control my own bias and belief towards them, and then I can take action. So when we talk about looking at the whole child or the whole parent, that's what we're talking about. Do I understand that this student or parent also has bias and beliefs and expectations that I may not be aware of without asking the questions, without creating the connection? See, we know that growth is circular, not linear. Growth happens when we have our beliefs that lead to our thoughts and feelings that create the actions we take and the results we get. But if I believe it's linear, meaning this to this to this to this, I think there's a starting and an end point. There's no starting and end point to life. It happens every day, throughout the day. So recognize that growth is circular. It is going to keep going. As you learn new things, you are growing as an individual, as an educator. And it's the same for our students. So what does this look like? This looks like having values as an educator that are non-negotiable standards that you live by no matter what. This looks like breaking down the beliefs that we have. This looks like having continual reflection in this process. This looks like giving yourself a whole lot of grace. If you've never done this work before, it is going to make you uncomfortable. But we know that being uncomfortable, being outside that comfort zone is where growth happens. Because when I take that step and I do the hard work, when I do the hard things, I create a new comfort zone. And then guess what? We keep doing the work to extend into a new uncomfortable zone. So that becomes a new comfort zone. And that, my friends, is when we talk about up-leveling, that is the process you are taking. So it looks like doing the work. It looks like having those reflective reflections on yourself and connecting with your students in your class. And it's remembering that at any point in time, what we are seeing is only half of the picture. And I've talked about breaking down those beliefs. And so what that looks like is we break down a belief I have about behavior, which looks like maybe my behavior is that if a student turns in a paper not on time, then it's not, then it is, that is, that is a unexpected behavior. I'm gonna keep it simple, hopefully, for this process, but you do that, you can do this with any behavior. So then you're gonna break it down. Is this true? Yes or no? Do I really believe this to be true? Do I believe that? If a student hands in a paper a day late, that that is absolutely an unexpected behavior, well, no. When I really think about it, no, I don't believe that's true. Does everyone in the world believe it to be true? That is going to be your second question. No, of course not. And the last question is the most important. Is it serving me? No, it's not. And so then we rewrite that. What do we rewrite? We rewrite it as something like when a student hands in an assignment, I am going to look at it through a lens of understanding and I am going to take that as mastery of learning from that student. You get to rewrite it however you want. And there's no one way to rewrite beliefs. And in all honesty, as I rewrite something, I often rewrite it two or three times. The fact is, though, is the belief isn't serving you, but the truth statement will. So what do you believe to be true about that behavior or about behavior in general? And then we're going to take it one step further. Once you rewrite it, we need to now retrain our brain to do it again and again and again, which means I have to prepare for the future because if I'm not ready, I will fall back into habits that I had before, which is that belief. So now I'm going to write down when this behavior happens, typically I do this. And now that I know I'm going to do this and next time I will do this, map it out for yourself. It's going to be easier to remember 
and respond to those behaviors in a way that is coaching, that is mentoring, and that is teaching, because that is what we are here to do. And we do that by taking small, simple, and strategic steps. We can do this. Our kids deserve it. Our families deserve it. And we deserve it. So let's do it. That is what I have for you today, everyone. Thank you so much for listening. Like I said, this is a tough topic. This is not something that we are done with today. This is an ongoing piece. But if you are looking to connect with all students, meaning the unmotivated, the disruptive, the refusal, the difficult, the tough, if you are looking for that, breaking down your own personal behavior bias is an amazing place to start because you will then see what you believe to be true about behavior and then you get to rewrite it. So it's a truth statement and it is a value that you show up as, as the educator that you are every single day. Thank you so much for tuning in. Until next time, we'll talk soon. Well, there you have it, everyone. Another new episode of the Define University podcast is in the books, and I so hope you enjoyed it as much as I enjoyed recording it for you. And if you did, would you do me a favor? Would you head on over and rate, review, subscribe, and even share that out with your friends? And let's let everyone know the amazing world of Define University. Would you do that for me? I would so appreciate you for that. And if you find yourself wondering, what's next? What else is out there? How else can I define who I am as an educator? How do I master my mindset? How do I use powerful language every day? And how do I take aligned action to truly achieving the goals I have to, to create my present day reality, to be the most amazing reality there is? Well, then I, I would encourage you to head on over to defineuniversity.com and uh, check out the courses page. That is all that I offer here. And if you see something that you've got questions that piques your interest, do me a favor, send me an email. Let's connect. I'm here for you every single day. So with that, remember to keep shining bright, live into your authenticity, love who you are, trust who you are, and most of all, own who you are so you can stand confidently in saying, this is who I am. We'll talk soon, everyone.